but you can grab a seat. Uh, and good morning. My name is Jacob Smith. I'm our college teaching director here at Anderson. And man, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be uh, here with you guys. Uh, just as a fair warning, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is very weak right now. So if I collapse from this fever that is ravaging my body right now, I'm going to need front row. Okay, Ricky, you got me. Okay, never mind. Ricky's got it, so that's good. Uh, man, I, but I'm excited to be with you guys. Uh, I, I'm excited to show you just this little something, something uh, that is officially my wife's favorite thing she's ever seen in her entire life. Yeah, what y'all know about um, getting your Kung Fu Nunchuck Panda um, in the parking lot of the local food line? Get it, my man. He out here doing it. Yeah, that's right. I'm 63 years old out here on the side of my pickup truck in food line, and I'll whoop a fool upside his head. I'm out here practicing, getting ready for Easter Sunday. Jesus going to rise up. I'm going to whoop the devil right out here in the parking lot. Pickup truck, radio playing, sunglasses, ain't no sun. It's cloudy, overcast, but I'm out here with my gloves and my nunchuck. One man. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, two nunchucks up in the air like Mary Lou Red. Pow, behind the back. Bust your finger. That hurt. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Shake it off, homie. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yep. Toe that finger up. Yeah, buddy. Time to call it quits. Look like the devil won this round, folks. I had to get back in the car. Get me a Band-Aid. Shake it off. Shake it off. Man, there's just something... There's something inspiring about watching a person uh, who's really just in the zone, just in tune with, with their giftings and abilities, someone who's really exercising their passions uh, in a way that they want to, and in a way that creates something new uh, and something that can impact the world around them. Man, that, that is just something amazing about seeing someone who's getting to use their gifts and abilities in that way, to, to make something new, to create something, and to impact their world. Uh, but the truth is that a lot of times, we don't feel like we can do that. We don't often feel like we're the guy in the parking lot with nunchucks, which is probably good, but we don't feel like we're able to create something new or make an impact on our world because many times we feel as if our power is just too limited or our position is just too low. We feel like we're not in a place where we can actually create something new, where we can actually make an impact on the world around us, which is mistaken. It is a falsehood that we've bought into. And this is why we're looking at faith at work. This is why over the next four weeks we're, we're looking at the role of faith at work, because this is something that we often consider, consider to be disconnected. We often don't see faith and work really working together in a cohesive manner. And yet when we look in Scripture, what we see is that they're actually deeply integrated. What we find in our world is that you can't set a goal without faith, and you can't reach that goal without work. And so we as believers are called to, to live and, and work by faith, because it's only by faith that we can work for both the glory of God and the good of others. Last week we looked at God's original design for work, at how it was created to be something beautiful and, and balanced, something that would bring himself glory. And this morning what we're looking at is the value that God has given all work. Even in our fallen world, there is still value and worth to our work. Scripture shows us 
that our work has the power to create and cultivate something new and amazing, regardless of our position. That power is found, first and foremost, in the fact that we are created as image bearers of God. As Whitney read a couple minutes ago, Genesis 1, verse 27, we're going to be here uh, all morning in, in chapter 1, if you want to turn there in an app or uh, Bible or whatever. Genesis 1, 27, this is God is in the, in the midst of the creation account, and, and he is forming the earth, he's filling the earth, and he gets to this point on the sixth day where he's creating man. And so what we see in Genesis 1, 27 is that God created humankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And so this is a very beautiful, this is, this is poetic language that we're seeing in the Hebrew, where God is, where we're finding out how God created man to be his image bearer. And there's very specific language in here, where we're seeing that he's created what we translate as humankind, in other words, humanity. He created humanity to be in his own image. And then we see it restated with different verbiage to, to describe male and female created. In other words, we are unified as humanity in that we all bear the image of God and that we all have this intrinsic worth and value to who we are. We're united in that sense, but we're also distinct. God has purposefully created two sides to humanity that complement each other, that work well with each other. God says, I, I want to create humanity in this way so that they can be my image bearer. In other words, so that they can be my representative on this world. If, if you are bearing the image of God, it, it provides intrinsic worth and value to who you are. When you graduate from Texas A&M University, God willing, in the next decade, um, <laughs> you're going to have not just that diploma, right? The diploma's okay. You can put it on your wall in your office or whatever. But what's going to really matter after graduation? That little shining gold thing, right? This is it, man, the Aggie ring. Because once you graduate and you have that Aggie ring, you're going to bump into Aggies all over the place. And you're going to find yourself kind of in this network. And what you're going to discover is that if you're wearing that ring, that you are going to have this sort of immediate respect uh, or recognition in certain circles. There's going to be certain people that resonate with you. You're going to be traveling wherever, and you're going to run into another Aggie, and they'll be like, howdy. And you're like, oh, whoop. And you're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're good, right? We, we connect on that level. Having this ring means that I am bearing the image of Texas A&M University. And in doing so, there is this intrinsic value and worth. There's this intrinsic respect and recognition or disrespect that I have in certain circles, in, in certain environments. God says, I have given you, I've imprinted upon you my image. You are my image bearer. You have this intrinsic worth and value, but it's more than that. He says, it's not only that you have this worth and value as someone who is created in the image of the God of the universe. He says, it also provides to you intrinsic purpose and vision. When you bear the image of God, you automatically share this united common purpose. And we see this. When you bear the image of something or someone many times that gives you just an inherent purpose or mission or goal in your life. Should we write Star Tours? No? Come on. Let's write it. Let's do it. Oh my 
God! I have so much more hope in my life knowing that there is someone dressed up as Peter Pan at Disney World whose sole mission is to play pranks on people walking around the park. That dude puts on his outfit, puts on the makeup, wears the Peter Pan garb, and he knows immediately I'm identifying with this character. I have not just this intrinsic identity, but this identity gives me a purpose. It gives me a mission and a goal to go out and be a psychopath in whatever I find myself, right? I'd like to think that he just does that like everywhere. But we are given an intrinsic purpose. There's a, there's, a, there's a mission and a goal that's given to all of humanity that we see laid out for us in Genesis 1, because as soon as God creates man and woman, when he creates humanity as a whole, he says, I'm a, I have something for you. I have a mission for you. I have a, I have a goal for you. I have a purpose. He says, I want you to create. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to multiply. Tim Keller puts it wonderfully in his book, uh, Every Good Endeavor, that we're basing the series heavily upon. Uh, he says that when we look at creation, what we realize is that God made the world to need work. That there are still gaps in creation. There's still room to grow. There's still room to create. There's still things to cultivate in this world. That's how God designed it to function. We see philosopher Al Walters, famous Christian uh, author and philosopher, says, the earth had been completely unformed and empty, and in the six-day process of development, God had formed it and filled it, but not completely. And as God's representatives, we carry on where God left off. This is beautiful. If God wanted to, he could have just created the earth. He could have created all these things and all these structures and all this stuff. No problem. But God, in in his purpose, in his plan, has chosen to include humanity in that process. He tells Adam and Eve, Genesis 1.28, he blesses them and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. God designed Adam and Eve to create something new. He says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to grow. I want you to expand. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to continue to create in the midst of creation. I want you to continue to make something new. This is your purpose. This is your goal. And this is something that stays with us. This is something that carries over into our lives. There's something deep within us that has this desire to create. We're designed to have that. That's why we love things like uh, Monopoly or Risk or Catan, right? We love these games. Why? Because they, they play into our designed desire to create, also into our sinful desire to destroy uh, mercilessly. Uh, but... <laughs> They play into this fact that every person just deep within them has some sort of desire to create something new, to make something amazing, something that impacts the world around them, something that hasn't been done before. And many times we get caught up assuming that, well, you know, like creation is just sort of like for the creatives, right? We even have professions that we say, well, these are the sort of the creative professions, whether you're a writer or a musician or a designer or a decorator, an artist, right? We think of those as the creative positions, and yet we're all creators. No matter what vocation you go into, no matter what your work is, you are creating teachers. They create 
lesson plans and experiences and, and, and helpful learning environments. They, create, uh, they bring order to chaos. Right? We see that in our schools and in our, in our universities. We see scientists creating new methods and, and cures and, and theories and ways to make sense of the world around us. We see politicians creating policies and, and laws and programs. We see engineers creating amazing things like structures and designs. We see them creating things that I'm really grateful for like sippy cups. Man, just like solid, best thing in my life right now, <laughs> sippy cups. You'll get there. Don't you worry. But I love this. And this was the product of some, crea- some creative engineer, someone who looked at children and was like, they just can't, they can't handle the cup. Like, I got to do something. I got to do something new. I got to shake this up. I'm so grateful for them. Engineers created things like the squatty potty. Man, what kind of... <laughs> What kind of amazing world do we live in that someone is just sitting down and they think, you know what, we could poop better. We could. Someone created that. Someone looked at the the toilet situation. It's kind of hard because everything is so white because they're trying to distract you from poop. But they created this this stool thing. You slide around your toilet that you can, like, I don't know, it's supposed to help you, whatever. But it's a thing that someone created, an engineer, a design team. They created this. No matter what your degree is, no matter what your profession is, no matter what vocation you go into, no matter what your job looks like or your title, you have the opportunity to create something new and impactful no matter where you go. Because God designed you to do that. No matter what your perceived power is, no matter what your position might be, You have the ability to create something new. You were designed to create something new. You were designed for more than just that, though. We were designed not only to create something new, but we were also designed to care and cultivate the things that are already around us, to make good things better. God looks at humanity and says, Look, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now this was a thing that I've read and seen and never really thought twice about, but one of our other pastors on staff, a guy named Zach Negliazzo, kind of drew this out. I was in a parenting class that he was teaching, and he kind of drew out this point that just rocked my stinking world, where he looks at this passage, and he, he read it, and he was like, look, what we see here is the call to cultivate, and it's so clear, because God gives animals plants to eat. Okay, that's great, but what does he give humanity? Seed bearing plants, fruits with seeds. God gives the common wildlife plants, but he gives humanity seeds. He gives us the opportunity to to grow and and nourish nourish something, to cultivate. In other words, to to take something that's already good and making it even better. This is beautiful. And this is something that we do in, in lots and lots and lots of areas of life. That is amazing. <laughs> we took something so good. White chocolate. Arguably the best of all chocolates. And we created something even better with it. 
We made it into some sort of shell, and we filled it with some sort of, I don't know, that looks a little out of toffee or custard or something, I don't know, but little sprucy green things. Like, that's amazing. We took dessert, and we made it incredible. We take something good, and we make it better, and this is something that we all do. This is something we're all capable of doing. Cultivation is not just reserved for the ag school. Doctors, they cultivate health. Out of sickness, they work with people and, and help them become better. Financial investors, I mean, they cultivate money out of money. It's amazing. We see accountants cultivating record books. They, they cultivate a, a method of making sense of all that money that those investors were making. They like put it all on spreadsheets and graphs, and they're like, there you go. And everyone's like, I still don't get it. But that's okay, because they do. They're taking something good and they're making it better. We see this in marketers where they try to they cultivate, they, they, they bring up the best way to present their product. Some engineer looks at them and they're like, hey, I got this squatty potty thing. I don't really know how to pitch it. Uh, maybe we could like, dress people in all white. And the marketer's like, no, don't worry, I got this. I got this. What if we just take an old lady and promise that it works? Yeah, done. <laughs> like We're all ordering on Amazon right now. To be fair, she's actually the founder of it. But what's the way that we're going to pitch this? The marketer looks at that and they, they say, you know what? You got something good. I can make it better. I can grow this into something better. I can give that great quote right up top. Talking about poop. No matter what your degree or vocation, no matter what your job looks like, no matter where you head next in life, you have the opportunity to cultivate something in your midst. You have the opportunity, the capability of taking something good and making it even better. Making it better. Keller says, We share in doing the things that God has done in creation, bringing order out of chaos, creatively building a civilization out of the material of physical and human nature, caring for all that God has made. This is our purpose as humanity. This is what we see God give Adam and Eve, the firstborn of all all humanity. This is your purpose, to create and to cultivate, to bring order out of chaos to build civilization, to care for all that I've made. So what's our end goal in that? Have we reached it with the Sequani Potty? I really hope not. Where are we headed in that? What should be our goal with those creations? What should be our ultimate goal with that cultivation? What are we trying to accomplish with these new things that can impact our world? What exactly is the impact that we want to have? Filling the earth means civilization not just procreation. When we get the sense that God does not, merely, does not want merely more individuals of the human species, he also wants the world to be filled with a human society. Keller puts this perfectly, lays it out. What's our goal? What's our end goal? What's our, what's our spot on the horizon that we're aiming for with all of our creation, with all of our cultivation? It's to create culture. It's to create society is to create something new and amazing. Because God could have just spoken the word and created millions of people and thousands of human settlements, but he didn't. Instead, what did he do? He made it our job to develop and build the society. 
our goal as humanity in our creation and in our cultivation that we all have been designed to do, that we've all been uh, created to do, our goal is to create culture. And when I say culture, I don't, I don't mean, you know, like the like rich people sitting around eating lettuce and talking about horses or I don't know what you think of. But we talked about this a few, a few years ago. Uh, some of you might, may remember, but, but culture is essentially what we make of the world. Okay, that's how we kind of summed it up a couple years ago. Culture is what we make of the world. It's not just how we look at the world. It's how we live in the world. All right, now, when I say that culture is what we make of the world, what I mean is there are kind of two sides to that. We make things, right? That's kind of, that's very straightforward and clear. One of the things that we make in this world is, is just stuff, right? Material. Uh, we create things like, like language or, or tools or uh, learning environments or, or technology, right? And we create these things with the goal of bringing order to chaos, with, with building society, with creating a culture, meaning a, a way of seeing the world. We're creating these things that help us live in this world and honestly kind of allow us to create thing, more things in the future. Uh, we create language, which, which leads to just this ongoing progression of, of creation and, and new things like, uh, we say things like turnt, right? <laughs> That was the worst way I could have said that. I was hanging out with a bunch of youth kids this weekend, and I heard savage so many times. That's a thing now. <laughs> but that's language, right? That's, be- that's awesome. It's beautiful. I even asked them, I was like, why do you say that? And they're like, oh. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll take it. Uh, we create things with our language. We, we create things with our tools. We've, we've, we've learned to create things like, like engines and cars and planes. Like We create these incredible devices, these, these material things in our world. We create colleges and universities that, that lead to incredible things like higher education and, and learning to uh, be proficient at different skills and, and proficient in different areas of study and work and life. These things are amazing. We create technology and we use it to make new things like Squatty potty or hoverboards. That's amazing, right? It'll catch on fire and kill you immediately. But it's still kind of amazing. We use these things, we create these tools so that we can continue creating. And yet what happens many times is we're not just creating these incredible, new, amazing things. Instead, because sin is in our world, sometimes our creations take a turn for the worse. We create language, which then allows us to attack each other and tear each other apart in ways that cut deeper than anything else in existence. We create tools that lead to weapons, that lead to war, that lead to destruction and death and genocide. We create uh, colleges that will lead to distress and anxiety and depression and isolation. We, we create technology which allows for easier access to horrific things like pornography or sex trafficking or, or just ad- adultery. Like There's so many horrible things that we've created in our world because of sin. We've taken that purpose, we've taken that mission, we've taken that goal, and we've twisted it. Sin has broken the very world that we live in. It has tarnished our purpose. And because of that pain, because of that destruction, because of those horrific things that we've created, it leads to the creation of not just material, but it leads to the creation of meaning. Meaning we're not just making stuff, we're also trying to make answers to answer those questions that just 
are driving us all the time. When we were kicked out of the garden, even when Adam and Eve sinned and, and strayed from the will of the Lord, and he banished them from his garden, he banished them from the tree of life, they were forced to go out from God's perfect Eden, his perfect little starting point, his perfect garden, and they had to go out into this harsh world where work would be difficult, where child raising would be difficult, where their relationship would be difficult. They weren't losing just stuff. They weren't just cut off from the materials that God created. They lost meaning. We've lost meaning. We're disconnected from our creator. And so there are inescapable questions that humanity is seeking to answer. Like, who who am I? And what am I doing here? What is my purpose? And, And why is there evil? What do I know to be true? These are questions that have plagued humanity for thousands of years. We've got some really creative answers to them. We've jumped through some really wacky hoops. I'll tell you, sitting in philosophy class after philosophy class from my minor at A&M, we have gone to some incredible lengths to try to answer those questions, and yet they're still unsatisfactory. And yet we look at those answers that we've had for thousands of years, for generation after generation, and just, they don't make sense. That's the world around us. That's the effect of sin. And this is the opportunity that we as believers have to create something new, to cultivate something better. We can create and we can cultivate a new culture Imagine if we were committed to making something new and fresh. Imagine if we as believers were all united in our goal of creating a culture, meaning material and meaning, that all glorifies the Lord, that all points to Him, the way it was originally intended to work. Imagine if that's what we did. Imagine if that was the mission and purpose that we woke up every single morning wanting to accomplish. Imagine if we created materials that would glorify the Lord. We used language to build people up, to glorify God. We used tools to bring life and and nourishment, to to make uh, colleges and, and organizations and educational spaces where we're pointing people towards the Lord, teaching them about God, reaching them for God, uh, having organizations like Impact or Breakaway, even just simple classroom interactions where you're willing to sit next to that person that you haven't sat next to, you're willing to start a conversation with that guy that's sitting by himself, and you're willing to just talk to him about God because you're willing to create something new in that space. That space was, that was previously just silence, that space that was previously just a bunch of people wanting to just kind of go to class, watch the prof, like leave, go about their business. You create something new in that, you cultivate something better in that you begin to initiate conversation with people, you're talking to them about their lives, you're asking them the good questions, and you're looking for opportunities opportunities to tell them about God. That's our purpose. Imagine if we bought into that. If when people were asking us those questions about who they are or what their purpose is or or what's the meaning of of this place and why is there even, when they're asking all these questions that many times send us hiding or or running and we're kind of like, I don't know how to answer that thing. What if in those moments instead we bring back to them the gospel 
What if we look at people straight in the eye and we're unafraid of telling them that, you know what, yeah, this world is broken and there is meaning that has been lost and yet Jesus Christ died so that we could live. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for our sake. You're unafraid to tell someone that you have an opportunity for salvation. You have an opportunity for eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you merely trust in him as your savior, as your God, that's where joy is found. That's where purpose is found. That's where meaning is cultivated. And we are all in so many different places with so many different people and so many different vocations, so many different majors. And I love that because what it means is that we are able to go out and be unified in the sense that we're image bearers of God, unified in the sense that we have this gospel driving our lives, and yet we're diverse, we're distinct, and that God has gifted us and equipped us to reach different people in different ways. But sometimes we need help in determining what is that? What is my way? What is my gifting? What is my ability? What is my passion? That's why within our college ministry, we're doing something brand new this semester that I'm just, I'm really excited about. We're having two weeks that are for one class. The thing that they've done at Mainside for a number of years for the congregation at large, and we decided, you know what, why don't we have this for us? It's called Discover Your Ministry. And it's two weeks, February 28th and March 6th at the 9 o'clock hour. 9 o'clock in this room. We're going to show up. We're going to hear from Zach Nugliazzo. We're going to hear from Buck Anderson, two of our pastors on staff. And they're going to guide us through this process of determining what is my gifting? What is my ability? How am I being equipped and sent out by the Lord to create something new and to cultivate something better from what's already good? We're going to do that as a whole. We're asking all of the people, anyone who's interested in leading or serving with us this upcoming year, we're asking every single person to come to this class. February 28th, March 6th, 9 o'clock. Because we want to help you discover what is God's purpose? What is God's calling on my life? Where am I headed? But we're not just going to wait till then, right? That's why this morning, even uh, as we prepare to worship the Lord a a little more, as the band's going to lead us through a couple more songs, I want us to just take a moment and and go before the Lord in prayer to talk with Him, be honest with Him, and ask Him to show us, to give us some guidance on what is my ministry? What is the field in front of me? Where is it that I have the opportunity to create something new? Where is it that I have opportunity to cultivate something that's already in my midst. So let's go to him now. God, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity, Lord, to serve you in this incredible way. That, God, you haven't just placed us on this earth without meaning, without purpose, but that, Lord, instead you've put this goal in front of us that at times can feel impossible, can feel unreachable, and yet, Lord, you've promised us in Scripture that you are strong where we're weak. That, God, you provide clarity where we're confused. Lord, we thank you that there is a faithfulness on your part that is not diminished by our failure and faithlessness. God, we thank you that you are always good. God, you always provide. That, Lord, you always have a plan that's greater than our own. 
if you would take a moment now and just ask the Lord to, to maybe draw to your mind, to reveal to you where do you have opportunity to, to create? Where do you have an opportunity to cultivate? Where is it that maybe you've doubted your power or maybe you've doubted your position? but that you now see is a perfect spot to fulfill this purpose, to create a, a material, to create a meaning, to point others towards God in that environment. Ask the Lord to show you where is that for you this week and ask him to strengthen you and motivate you, to keep you accountable, to move forward in that purpose, in that place this week.